Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Abundant Life. If you have a copy of God's Word, once you find the book of Daniel, chapter one, we are continuing our verse-by-verse study through the book of Daniel. And if you are just now joining us, uh, we are doing something a little bit different with this series where we're providing a study guide along with the series. And so you can scan this QR code right here and it'll be amazing and you can follow along. I don't know if you've been like me over the last couple of weeks and you're like, I need to process some of this stuff, you know, like it just feels like we've been, you know, taking off and flying at a high level and Pastor Phil's just been taking the word of God and the newspaper and then helping us figure out how all that comes together and giving us commentary on our culture and and helping us understand that there's things that have been happening all throughout history and it's been amazing and if you've been like me, it's like, man, I I need to process this with somebody. I need to talk about what does this actually look like in my my parenting, in my personal life and that sort of thing and and this study guide will really help you to do that and and I'm so excited that, that you were here this morning to get to experience, I think at every campus in some form or fashion, we've been doing Child Dedication Day. And, and I love just seeing the families up here and it just kind of makes me think about you know, wanting to go to those young parents and say, hey, there's gonna be a lot of things that you're gonna have to learn how to navigate in parenting, and, and one of those things is, is Sky Zone. Um, here's, here's my family right here. And, um, and so, you know, you go to Sky Zone and you pay the money to get in there, and, then, and they're like, and, and do you need socks? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we need socks. Uh, that'll be $24 for a pair of socks. I'm like, okay, okay, you know, the kids are all happy. Anyway, so we get there, we got the socks, and, and if you're trying to dad like, like I do, like eventually you're, you're gonna get on the trampoline with the kids, you know? And you're like, yay, kids, we're trampoline. I bought $24 socks. This is awesome, you know? And, 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 um, and if you're anything like me, um, you do the deal with the kids, but then, and then you got to have your time, you know, because like, like there's an internal like trampoline gymnast acrobat inside of us all, especially when we go to places like that. And my wife's like, don't kill yourself. And I'm like, well, anyway. And so what I like to do is I like to go to the place in the trampoline park uh, that has the basketball goal. QR Kelly, I believe I can fly, you know, <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> get the ball, you know, and then like I, like, I will spend the rest of my time just dunking a basketball because on the trampoline, I can be like a vanilla LeBron and I can just dunk this thing, right? And, and I can defy the laws of gravity that limit me in reality. See, on the trampoline, I can, I can be who I want to be. On the trampoline, I can soar to new heights. On the trampoline, there are certain laws, the law of gravity, that apply to me in reality that don't apply to me on the trampoline. It's the trampoline. But I can't dunk, y'all. Like, when I step off in, in the real world, the reality is I am vertically challenged, unlike Pastor Phil, and, uh, and I can't touch the rim like he can, and I, I can't dunk. And the reason why I start there this morning is because this is kind of the way that we live spiritually from time to time. Like there's this temptation inside of all of us to have this mini trampoline where we, where we invent kind of this, our own version of morality of what's right and wrong so that we can defy certain laws that are really written into the fabric of the universe. See God, he, he, in his wisdom, he wrote into the laws of the universe uh, things, or yeah, and the laws of even things like gravity, you know, and it doesn't matter what you believe, where you come from, what, what you do, like you're, you're bound by gravity in reality. You can't, you can't overcome that. And there's other laws like morality. 
Like God says, this is right, this is wrong, and, and no matter what you believe, we are all governed by those moral laws. But we have this tendency, again, to invent our own version of morality where, you know, my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth, and I have the right to decide what's right for me. It just don't tell me what's right for you is wrong for me. You know, that's kind of what we do in our society, and we, we have this temptation to have kind of like a flimsy, springy morality where we can defy the laws of God but the reality is, you can't. See, I don't know if you know this to be true, but for me, I know that you cannot invent your own version of right and wrong and it still be all right. And when I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to ground us all in God's word and, and in the truth of just how life works, that there are universal laws that apply to us all. The law of gravity, it is true no matter what. And then the law of God, when it comes to the laws of morality, is true no matter what. Like right is right and wrong is wrong. But we have this tendency, and the Bible speaks about this. In fact, in Isaiah, one of the guys that, that was a prophet in the Old Testament, the first part of your Bible, he says things like this, woe to you. I mean, that's like a, that's like a slam, you know? He says, woe to you. He's coming down on the people, and he says, that, woe to you who, who call right wrong or who call good evil and evil good. He says, woe to you who, who call light dark and dark light, who call bitter sweet and sweet bitter. He's saying, woe to you. You better look out if you confuse the way that God made the world to work. It's not going to end well for you. And Isaiah, he says this, and, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning because we have this foundation of morality oftentimes in our life that tends to be a little bit springy and flexible so that we can just kind of do whatever we want. And listen, if you build your life on a foundation of truths that's flimsy and flexible, it's gonna collapse eventually. A lot of us know that, right? Like, I don't, do I need to give you a bunch of stats about the moral condition of our society right now just to convince you? <laughs> I don't think I do. I think that we can open our eyes and just see that like society is collapsing and dilapidating in some form or fashion. And maybe, just maybe, it's because we've invented our own version of morality where it's springy so that we can try to defy the laws of God and it just doesn't work. And we can see that in society. We can also see that in our families. Like I think many of you have come in here this morning and, and the reality is, is that your family is collapsing in some form or fashion and maybe, maybe it's because you compromised on the truths of God early on and it set a fracture or a flimsy foundation into your family's structure and it's beginning to collapse a little bit. I know there's been times where I've seen kind of out there collapsing and I've been like, oh, it's all good, it's okay. But then eventually, because of my own issues, because my own tendencies to see the truths of God like a trampoline and to kind of invent this version of where God understands, I'm only human, I'm a man, and my own life was collapsing. And maybe you're here this morning and that's, that's the diagnosis of what's going on in your life, that your life is literally falling apart and, and the thing and the reason why it's falling apart, the thing that is consistent in all of the, the troubles and the, and the difficulties that you've had to navigate is you. And maybe the reason why it's falling apart is because you've treated the truth of God like a trampoline and you haven't stood up for what was right in the right time. And there's this tendency for us all to do that, that we think I have the right to decide what's right, that we want truth that's more springy than solid, thinking that we can defy the laws of God, but again, it doesn't end well for you. And Daniel, the guy that we're talking about this morning, he, he knew this all too well. Like he knew that, that he, he was gonna face dilemmas 
and that he was going to have the opportunity to compromise, to kind of water down the truth of God in order to, to blend in and to go with the culture. But Daniel, he faces dilemmas, and he decides, I'm not going to compromise, but I'm going to follow my creator. And he navigates a morality crisis, and he remains as a man of character in the midst of this crisis. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled this message, How to Navigate the Morality Crisis. How to Navigate the Morality Crisis. And we're going to see this morning from God's Word that there are dilemmas that we're going to face. There are decisions that we need to make if we're going to end up in the destination that we all want to end up in. Daniel, if you're new to this series and new to the Bible, he was deported from, uh, from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so Babylon was like kind of the king of the day, if you will, and they had the largest military. They come in, they ransack Daniel and his whole crew, and they pull some of the teenagers, some of the finest of the finest, some of the, the, the best ACT scores and SAT scores, and they pull them out, they deport them into this place called Babylon. And their whole goal was to indoctrinate them into the ways of the culture that ultimately was against God. Babylon, we looked in week one, it literally means rebellion, that Babylon was this nation, but it's also kind of this spirit that exists in our day and age today that just says, this is God's law, I'm gonna go this way. I wanna rebel against the way that God made things. So Babylon, they stole these students and they gave them a crisis in the hopes that they would compromise their conviction. And we see it play out in this first chapter that they begin to give them an authority crisis that leads to an identity crisis that ultimately leads to a morality crisis that they begin to question, is God truly your authority? It says in the book of Daniel that they were, they were taught the ways of Babylon. It, it, they literally, Daniel and his crew, four of his friends, they, they were given, or three of his friends, they were given new names. That Babylon tried to like, re-indoctrinate or indoctrinate them in having a new identity and reinvent them. And then ultimately, they're coming to question their morality. That they challenged Daniel and his friends' beliefs in order to breed Babylon into them. But these four teenagers, they remain strong. Isn't that good news? That we have a word of God and we have men of God and women of God that we can read about that stood strong even against the odds? That God has a way of, of, of remaining or of, of saving a remnant and though it may look like it's dark days in history, God has a way of still allowing the light to survive? That God is not done with these four and we see them stand strong and to remain teenagers, men of character in crisis. Here's what it says in Daniel 1, starting in verse five. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. So you get the purpose here, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take them off to this training institution and I'm gonna feed them. They got, they got 21 meals a week, you know, and they're on the meal plan and, and they're gonna go to school and they're gonna get, you know, frat parties, all this stuff, right? You get it? So that's what's going on. But Daniel, jump down to verse eight, but Daniel, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. You could just circle that phrase, purposed in his heart. That's what we want to do. We wanna make some decisions today. We wanna to purpose some things today in our heart that will leave us ready for the battle that we will face later on. Daniel, he purposed in his heart. You could, you could circle that or underline that phrase in your Bible, that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Point number one, if you're taking notes this morning, you could write this down, the dilemma. The dilemma. Daniel's problem was that he was being offered something that he knew was wrong. You want the, the bacon from Babylon or you want broccoli? Do you want, the, you want the wine from Babylon, the bottle of wine, or you want water? And he's, he's facing this dilemma, and in this dilemma, it's not about the bacon or the broccoli, it's about whether or not am I gonna obey God or disobey God. 
And so here's the dilemma. Here's the moral dilemma. Do I disobey God to save my life and to fit in? Or do I obey God and risk my life and stand out? Daniel, he's being tempted. Again, this isn't like a, you know, do, do you want to eat this or eat a can, right? I mean, it's it, the can, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think sometimes we think, oh, this was an easy decision for Daniel. No, he's smelling bacon, maybe for the first time, okay? You ever smelt bacon? And, and like he's being offered this, like this is okay, buddy, it's okay, it's bacon. And he's like, and, and then he's looking at broccoli and he's like, oh, oh the broccoli, you know? And he, he's being tempted, and we've all, we've all been tempted, right? Here's what I know about temptation. Man, it's tempting. <laughs> I think sometimes in church we try to act like, like sin is like, oh, sin, oh, who would want to do that, you know? Oh, my goodness, I can't believe you did that. No, temptation is tempting. Typically when somebody gives in to sin, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, you know? And Daniel, he's being tempted with this dilemma, do I obey God and and and, and say no to my desires, or do I disobey him and say yes to my desires? You ever been there? You ever been in that dilemma? Yeah. I mean, drink this. Hey, smoke this. Try this. Everybody's doing it. You ain't been high like this before. Watch this. Do this with me. You're only human. All we have is today. Go here. Be that. Think that. You're in a new place now. No one will ever know. It's just words, man. It don't matter. It, it's, it's, I mean, you don't have time to, to get into God's word. It, 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 it's, I mean, every, everyone knows. Everyone understands. You know the dilemmas of life. You know what I'm talking about? Like the dilemmas that we face, the temptations. I believe there's not a day that you live without some sort of dilemma. The temptation comes for us every day. Some of y'all tempted right now. You've been on your phone, like you're just such an addict to your phone, and during worship, you're like checking everything, you know, because you're just shaking because of the phone, and, and some of y'all, like, you come in here, and, and, and you caught somebody's eye across the, the room, you know, you're in another campus, and you're like, oh, hey, and they're like, thank God for that person, you know, but you're trying to praise God for God instead of praise God for the person that he made, that you cut eyes with, you know, and you're just tempted. We're so distracted, right? Some of y'all thinking about the list, and the lunch plans, and the in-laws that are coming over, and, but you're not really excited about, you know, and you're just kind of trying to shuffle all those things, Right? And like even now in this space, I think sometimes we think that we just kind of usher into the auditorium of God and we just like, there's no distractions in here. Yes, there are. Kids crying, you know, I mean, all kinds of stuff, right? We are in dilemmas even as we speak, let alone the dilemmas that you're going to face on Monday. Let alone the dilemmas that you're going to face next week. That we will not live a day without some sort of dilemma. What dilemma are you facing today? What's the dilemma that you're dealing with right now? I don't know if you know this or, or not, but, but we have an enemy, an adversary, Satan, and he is scheming on us all, y'all. And here's how the enemy works. He, he wants to question God's authority in our life so that we will invent or create our own identity so that we can fabricate our own morality. Like, like the enemy, he's, he's consistently saying things because this is what he says since the beginning. Did God really say that? Like, we probably lost the real meaning through translation, because in the Greek, it probably didn't mean that. Like, avoid sexual immorality, is that really what that means? Or can we, we got a little gray area there. Did, did God really say that? And he's also wanting us to question the consequences of our decisions. Because he said in the garden to our first parents, Adam and Eve, he said to Eve, if you eat of that tree, surely you won't die. And there's this tendency in all of us to give in to some sort of compromise, thinking that, oh, we're getting away with this. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be able to say no when it comes time. 
I'm going to be able to quit this when it comes time. Thinking that we're going to be different than our daddy was. Thinking that, that we, don't, we won't suffer the consequences of our decisions. And listen, that's not how the world works. The word of God says that God will not be mocked. Do not be fooled. A man reaps what he sows. That there's a right and there's a wrong. And you and I, we cannot invent a version of morality that causes us to defy the laws of God. See, I think that we all have this kind of mini trampoline in our life that exists, but we also have this solid foundation in our life that exists too. And, and we have this tendency to, to live a little bit of a, of a hypocritical approach to this. And so when it comes to morality, like, like we wanna stand on the solid truths of we want a faithful spouse in marriage, right? Come on, guys. Come on. Hey, come on now. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, if your wife starts tripping on you, you, you should have said amen. Anyway, I'm just kidding. But we want that, right? It's right. It's right that she loves me and that I love her, and it's wrong if we go love other people, right? That we want that truth. But when we were single, we were like, well, you know, I can swipe right on Tinder, and I can get on Bumble, and I can watch that show. And we, you know, it can't really mean what mean, maybe you're not single, maybe you're married, and you're like, you know, I want my wife to be faithful, but I'm going to watch on Yellowstone how they unfaithful to each other. I want my husband to be faithful to me, but I'm going to watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and see how they unfaithful to each other. And we'll tolerate a springy spirituality or a springy morality in one sense, but we'll, we'll demand a strong, solid foundation in another. Or maybe, maybe when it comes to integrity, like we want a solid foundation with the people that are handling our investments, right? Like, like you have a financial advisor or you're invested in something, you don't want somebody to embezzle your money, right? Like you, you're hoping that when you retire someday, there's gonna be something there, right? Like you don't wanna get a surprise like, hey, it was Enron, you know, you don't want that, right? Like we want somebody to be full of integrity when it comes to our money, but when it comes to our taxes and tax season, you know, is that really, that was an expense? Or when it comes to, you know, filing our report, we just think, you know, I'll round up to 10. And sometimes we can be a little bit more springy in our integrity. Or some of y'all, you, you've been on the brunt end of somebody saying some things about you that aren't true. And, and somebody took a picture of you at the office party, and then they made it into a meme, and then you found out that everyone's been laughing at you for the last two weeks, and it really hurt you. It, wasn't, it, wasn't, it started out to be funny, but then it, it, it crossed the line. And you're like, hey, that's not right. You don't talk about people in a demeaning way behind their back. But I'm going to hop on Facebook, and I'm going to let everybody know about it, right? And I'm going to create some memes, and I'm going to say some subtweets or whatever it is, and I'm just going to justify why I can be bitter and why I can gossip about you. But don't you dare gossip about me. Last example. When it comes to eternity... And it comes to God being good on his word to save us. We want a solid foundation, right? We want God to say when he says, you are forgiven, when he said, tetelestai, it is finished, paid in full, we want to stand on that because we want to go to heaven when we die. We want to spend forever with God. And we want to stand on this solid ground, but then there's other parts of the Bible where we're like, well, you know, I know it said to forgive them, and I know you forgave me, and I believe that, but I don't know if I can forgive them because... I know your word says that, but it's kind of springy, and I just want a little bit of a, you know, it's flexible. Did it really mean that? And we have this tendency to live on solid truth in some areas and to have this mini trampoline in other areas, and we have all come in here being tempted to invent our own version of morality, our own version of right and wrong, 
and that God is calling us to be people of character in the midst of a moral crisis. And he's calling us to recognize the dilemmas that we're facing. Daniel, he was facing a dilemma. Do I obey God and lose favor with people? Or do I disobey God and gain favor with people? I don't know if you know this or not, um, but if you are a Christian, it's gonna cost you something. I think sometimes we think like, like this, wow, it's, this is gonna be, it's salvation's free and so everything else must be easy to follow Jesus. That's not how it works. Jesus made it abundantly clear. He's not trying to pull one on you. He, he said very clearly, if you wanna follow me, you have to deny yourself Pick up your cross and follow me. And if you think Christianity means that you can invent your own version of morality, I'm good at sinning, God's good at forgiving, then we got a good deal here. I'm just gonna live a springy, it's right for me, it's, it's wrong for them, whatever, but God's got it all worked out. That's not how it works. Right is right, wrong is wrong, and God calls us to follow in the way of righteousness. That Christianity is gonna cost you something. It's gonna cost you popularity. It's gonna cost you pleasure. It's gonna cost you a popular opinion that you're gonna to have to navigate the dilemmas in life in a way that brings glory to God. So, um, what dilemma are you facing today? What, what's the dilemma are you, that you're facing? Like, what's the intersection of temptation for you? What, what's, what's your favorite sin? Think about it that way. You know, the one that you just, you, you have, you've created a, a subcategory where somehow God's okay with you doing this because we're in love, or because I'm tired, or because I'm going through a difficult season, or whatever the excuse is, we're all good at justifying. What dilemma are you facing today? Daniel, he didn't wanna sin. He was facing a dilemma, I wanna obey God, so here's how he responded, here's what it says in, in verse eight, picking back up. It says, therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Notice that Daniel doesn't boycott. Notice that Daniel doesn't demand his rights, okay? He simply says, I don't wanna eat of these things because it's gonna violate my conscience. I'm gonna disobey God. So he, he respectfully appealed to his boss. That's for somebody. Anyway, he goes on in verse nine. It says, now God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, verse 10, he said, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? then you would endanger my head before the king. So you, you get, the, you get the, the scene, right? Like the guy just says, Daniel, like I, I, I don't want you to have to eat this, but if you don't eat this, then the king's gonna know that you're not eating what he's provided and he gonna, he's gonna kill me. And so what do we do with this? So Daniel, here's his response in verse 11. He said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, so he basically said to his boss of Daniel and his buddies, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He said in verse 12, he said, please test your servants for 10 days. And let, let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then let our appearance be examined before you. And the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. As you see fit, and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. And so he consented with them in the matter, and he tested them for 10 days. So y'all get the picture, right? Daniel respectfully appealed. They struck up a deal. He said, let's test this thing for 10 days. We'll see how it works out. Point number two, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. The decision. The decision. Daniel's decision to his dilemma was to obey God. He didn't cave into the compromise. He remained intact with his character in the midst of a crisis that he made a decision to be different. Don't you know it's okay to be different? That the world should look at us 
and they should be able to see something different about our life. I think one of the reasons why the church has lost its impact in society is because it quit being different for the things that it should be known to be different for. It's okay to be different. We're not called to blend in. I don't know if you've noticed the artwork that we've had up here for this series. Some of y'all, this has been bugging you. You type A people, you know, you're like, can we just, can I just pull that over? You know, you're a one on the Enneagram, you just, oh, you know, that was intentional. And this is kind of a creative way for you to be reminded if you're gonna be a person of character in the midst of crisis, you're gonna have to be set apart. The word of God says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word of God says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The word holy, if you don't know what that means, it literally means that you're set apart. It means that you're separated. It means that you're different. You're called to be a special people. You're called to be one that puts the love of God on display in a tangible way and people should be able to look at your life and go, man, that's different. Listen, quit trying to blend in when God has called you to stand out. It's okay to not look at some things that other people look at. It's okay to not try things that other people are trying. It's okay to have a boring marriage where you faithfully love each other for decades and not have all the drama. It's okay to be different. And some of us need to embrace that difference. What if people saw the way that we lived and they thought, well, that's different. If they thought, you know, that, the way that person loves, that's different. The way that that person serves, the way that that family serves, that's different. The way that that person gives, that's different. The way that person's kind, that's different. The way that that person adopted those kids and, and fostered those kids, that's different. The way that that person refrained at the office party and had just as much fun, but it wasn't like inebriated fun, that's different. The way that that person didn't watch those things, left the movie theater, didn't tune into that deal, that's different. The way that that person had peace in the midst of all of the chaos, the way that that person forgave, the way that that person got involved, that's different. Different isn't bad. And there was a point in history when the church changed society because it was different morally. That's our legacy, church. That oftentimes people will measure a Christian's life versus a non-Christian's life and they can't see the difference. But we're gonna change that because we're gonna be people that are set apart. We're gonna be people that don't blend in. We're gonna be people that say no to the things that the world's saying yes to and say yes to the things that the world's saying no to. So today was, was Child Dedication Day. And so again, at, at all the campuses were dedicating kids. And it's it amazing, you know, I just kind of, I, I, wanna, I just pray for the families, you know, especially when they're in the season of life that, that we're in. You know, you, you see like, like the families up here and there's like dedicating one kid, you're like, oh, God bless you. You know, just one kid, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and then the two, you know, two kids, like, okay, good, y'all, y'all got three kids and more, you're like, all right, it's zone, that's a good luck, you know. You're gonna have to manage that chaos, it's gonna be awesome. But anyway, I think that child dedication is so much more about the parent than it is about the kid, you know? And, and like the parents are up here, and what we're saying as parents, I remember when I did this with my kids, is you're saying, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna celebrate this mile marker in my kid's life on their journey to follow Jesus, but I'm, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm gonna commit to be faithful in trying to raise up my kid in the way that they should go. And so it's child dedication day, but really, it's parent dedication day, all right? And, and so we've been taking this thing serious in my household and so we, we kind of uh, stumbled upon this idea of, of creating some family values, 
and this may be boring for some of you, but it works for us. And so we have these family values, and here's what we do. One of our family values, we looked at God's word and we said, okay, how do we want to represent Christ? And one of the things that we really love about Jesus is that he's holy. And we find this all throughout the Bible. One of the key themes of God is that I'm holy, and he calls us to be holy. And so we thought, you know, we want to be a family that reflects this characteristic of God. And so one of our family values is holiness. And my wife, she's amazing. And so she's got our three little girls, and she teaches them these family values, and we talk about them at our table and that sort of thing. And, and one of the questions that we'll ask in the season of life that we're in now is that they know the Bible verses and they know the word, but we'll ask, okay, how do we value this in our household? And my wife, she's constantly talking to our girls about their bodies. Side note, it's never too young to talk to your kids about their bodies. And so anyway, we're talking to our little girls and we're saying, hey, God has made you this way and he wants you to, to live a modest life. And that involves the way you dress, the way you speak and that sort of thing. And the way that we reflect holiness, one of the ways is that we live modestly and we dress modestly. So we've got girls and, and so we're trying to teach them about their bodies, about the way they dress and they're growing. So they outgrow certain clothes that they once could wear. And I'm like, no, we ain't wearing that out, you know, and let's go buy something. Anytime dad shops, it's like sweatshirts and sweatpants. Come on, you know, I'm <laughs> just kidding. No, they look cute. And so my wife, she's teaching them all this stuff. So, um, you know, it's amazing. It's, that's what we want to do. Now, before you think highly of me, <laughs> y'all ever teach your kids something and then, and then you were like, I wish I would have taught you that because now you're teaching me, you know, like they held you accountable. So um, my wife, she was at this thing called The Gathering. Uh, it's, a, it's a women's church service that we do about once a month here at the church. And so she was out. And so it was dad night, daddy, daddy daughter date night. And uh, it just happened to be the night that the college football championship game was on. And so, boom, we, had, we got us a solution. So I got my girls. We're going to watch the football game. Well, halftime rolls around, and, and Katy Perry's releasing her new music video. And if you don't know who Katy Perry is, that's probably okay. All right, so Katy, anyway, I had seen, like, I, like I, I knew some things about Katie, um, and, and I had seen her like on a Sesame Street thing one time, and I'm like, oh, she's probably a great person. And so she's releasing this music video, so we're sitting there watching, and I'm in my, my dad chair, drinking my Topo Chico, and we're sitting there watching this, and, and like, like three seconds, the video comes on, and my daughter, my oldest, she says, hey, Dad, we probably need to turn the TV off. And I'm like, nah, it'll be all right. It's Katy Perry. It's okay. And, she's, and she knew, based upon the teaching that her mom has been giving her, that she could see where this thing was heading. And I was like, it's like a prom dress, you know, it's okay. And then like 10 seconds later, we had an outfit change with Katie and we had a dance change. And I was like, okay, we gotta get up. We need to turn the TV off. You were right. That she could see what was coming and she stood up for her conviction when I just sat in the chair of compromise. And I was delayed in my decision to take a stand for what was right in my household. Because there's this tendency in me, and I don't know if this is true of you, but like, I'm, like I look back on this situation, I'm like, when am I going to quit believing the best about the culture? You know, like why am I surprised that there was a wardrobe change and what started out kind of okay got a lot worse quickly? And when am I going to quit giving the culture the benefit of the doubt? When, when I know that our culture has treated truth like a trampoline and it has this kind of laissez-faire morality where anything goes. And I just sat there. And I was delayed in my decision to take a stand for what was right in my household. And I sat there in the chair of compromise while my 10-year-old stood on her conviction. Dads, let me just speak to you real quick. Get out of the chair of compromise. And get rid of what is unholy in your household. Take a stand for what's right. Be a bold leader 
in your household and shut off what's wicked. Because I think there's this tendency for us to compromise and then what happens is that we normalize what's wicked and then we get surprised when things run off the rail. And so like, like let's roll back the tape on the scenario. Let's just say I, I don't get up and I don't do anything and I, and I teach my daughter that I have a different standard than what she's been being taught by her mama. And, and so like she begins to see this whole thing play out and she begins to see, okay, I can use my body the way that Katie's using her body. And then when she's 18, fully developed, I'm getting frustrated at her for the things that she's wearing. And she looks back when she was 10 years old and said, you watched it play out then, daddy. And when we compromise, we normalize what's wicked, then we get surprised at when things run off the rails. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, how did, how did I get here? How did my marriage get to this place where, you know, we, we're just so distant, so cold? You got there one compromise at a time, watching one thing that tainted the view of marriage at a time. Listening to one album on Spotify that had you thinking about doing other things with other people at a time. That typically the way that we end up in our chaos and our crisis is because we compromised one day at a time. So how do you, how do you navigate some of this stuff? Because I think sometimes I'll hear this and I'll be like, what do I, do I just... Like, do we just go build the compound and like we just get a bunch of guns and we just like shut everybody out? Like, is that what we do? No, that's not what we do. There's ways for you to navigate the culture. Again, Daniel's response is not to run away from the king's table. He, he had to stay in the culture. And so let me just give you a resource real quick. This is a editing service that allows you to watch certain things, but edit them. So Clearplay and VidAngel, two different editing services. And you can tie these in with your Disney Plus account. You can tie these in with your Hulu account, with your Amazon Prime account, with your Netflix account, with your HBO Max account, whatever accounts you got. You can tie these in and it allows you to edit the shows out. You can edit out all the immodesty, all the violence, all the language. Some of y'all would have a four minute show left. Come on, you know, I know, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And so, but it allows you to watch certain things, but you're not allowing the immorality of those things into your household. Now you still need to have conversations about the narratives that are coming through those, vin those, those different mediums, but this is an, a way for you to edit things. And it's worth the price that you pay. The price that you pay for not editing is far greater. So um, when I did that whole deal with the college football game and the Katy Perry thing, my wife, she came home a little bit later and the girls were still awake, and she was like, well, how was your time with dad? I was like, oh, it's good, we're just going to bed, shh, shh. And, and my oldest is like, dad, man, just watch me, you know, I'm like, oh, you know. And, and so um, maybe, maybe you've, you've been there, and you've compromised, you, you've given in. What do you do? Well, you do what I did. You apologize for your compromise. Parents, your kids don't need to see you being perfect. They need to see you repent. And you need to model for them how it looks as an adult to discipline yourself and allow the Spirit of God to discipline you and humble yourself before them. And so I apologized to my daughter and I renewed my commitment to make a decision to take a stand for what's right. Because here's what I know to be true, the focus of my eyes will inform the desire of my heart. And if I start looking at things in my household, I'll start to desire those things and I'll invent a version of morality that's springy so that I can justify why I could watch Katy Perry. 
and how that doesn't go to some parts of my heart that are very dark. And I have to choose to stand on the truth of God and say, no, I will not do this. So, so how do we do this functionally? What can we do today to make a decision? Well, we got to do what Daniel did. Daniel has said in verse 8 that he purposed in his heart before God. Like he, pur- he said, I'm going to make a decision today before he ever faced the temptation. I think if we, kind of, if we kind of just let it play out, we'll just see what happens, you know. I'm just going to, I'm going to go to the movie and I'm just going to see what happens in the movie. And I'm going to go on the date. I'm just going to see what happens on the date. I'm, I'm just going to go to the party and see what happens at the party. I'm just going to stand around the coffee pot at the office and just kind of see what kind of chatter happens. And I'm just going to kind of figure it out when I get there. If you wait for the moment of temptation to make a decision on what you're going to do, more than likely, you're going to give in every time. We need to make a decision today to purpose in our heart. What decision do you need to make today so that you can navigate the dilemma that you're going to face in the future? So that you can navigate it in a way where you bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. We need to make a decision today to defy the cultural norms respectfully. We need to make a decision today to deny our sinful pleasures. We need to make a decision today to decry the the wickedness in our world. We need to make a decision today. I want to give you a 10-day challenge. That's what Daniel did. For 10 days, I'm going to try this out. That's what he said to his boss. So here's the challenge. For 10 days, my decision is for the next 10 days. What would you put in that blank? I would love for you just to get out your notes app on your phone or or write something down and for you to screenshot that and then post it on social media and, and let us flood the internet with something redemptive, for crying out loud. And then we can post it, tag Abundant Life, and let us celebrate the decisions that our body is making as a result of coming to church today. The decision that I'm gonna make today, some of you said, the decision I'm gonna make today is to delete the dating app. The decision I'm gonna make today is to get off social media. So you post and then you become a ghost on social media for 10 days. The decision I'm making today is I'm gonna forgive that person. The decision I'm making today is I'm gonna rest. The decision I'm gonna make today is I'm gonna join the church. My decision is to go to Regen. My decision is to encourage my coworkers from me and my household, my wife and I. Our decision is we're not gonna watch movies for 10 days. That's become something that we do that kind of wastes our evening. What decision do you need to make? You're gonna notice two things when you do this challenge. The first thing that you're gonna notice is that you're gonna need God's help. You need Jesus to follow Jesus. I think sometimes we, we hear that, but we live a way of Christianity that says, God, you got me for heaven, I got the rest. And that's not Christianity. Jesus says that I'm the vine, you're the branch, you abide in me, I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can't do anything. You cannot follow Jesus without the Spirit of God. And so you're gonna find 10 days of you making a decision to honor God, you're gonna need God. And you're also gonna find that it's better. Following Jesus is not easy, but it is better. Take the challenge, for the next 10 days, I am going to do this. You got a purpose in your heart this morning, church, that we're gonna obey God. Why? Because obedience leads to blessing and disobedience leads to destruction. What destination do you want? We find out the destination of Daniel, and here's what it says in verse 15. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter and flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. That broccoli gave them a muffin top. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and, uh, just trying to be biblical, babe. Anyway, so 16. 
Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. He removed the temptation and the obligation. Here's what it says in 17. For these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. God blessed their decision. He blessed their obedience, and he blessed them with favor. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down, the destination. The destination. Daniel decided to obey God in his dilemma, and God blessed him. What outcome do you want for your life? What destination do you want to end up? Do you know that you end up where you're going? That if you want to end up in the promised land living, if you want to end up a man of God, a woman of God, are you going that way? I think sometimes we want to end up God's man, God's woman, but when we look at our feet, they're going in the complete opposite direction or just a little bit off. And if you want your destination to be one of Daniel's and his buddies, then you have to look down and say, am I making the decision to obey God in the midst of the dilemmas that I'm in? Because you're only becoming more of who you are today. In the end, you have to ask, whose favor do I want more? God's or man's? Galatians 1.10 says this, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. What outcome do you want for your life? And who are you trying to please? If you're anything like me, man, you're sitting here thinking, man, how do I do this? How do I go to that person and break up with them? How do I go to my spouse and open up to them about the things I've been doing? How do I begin to live this life of following Jesus? Well, it starts with you understanding who Jesus is. So we've been talking about Daniel. He's kind of the MVP of the book of Daniel. But Daniel is not the MVP of Christianity. Jesus Christ is the MVP of Christianity. And then when we look at the life of Daniel, he's just a type of Jesus, and he just points to a greater Jesus, or, or excuse me, a greater Daniel Jesus that came. See, the story of Daniel is that he was deported against his will from God's city into this place called Babylon. But Jesus, the greater Daniel, he was deported by God's will from heaven to earth. That Daniel, he was, he was offered these delicacies and these sinful things, and he risked his life in order to obey God. But the greater Daniel, Jesus, he was offered the same things, and he gave his life in order to obey Christ. Daniel, he, 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 he was given a promotion when he obeyed God. Jesus, he was given a crucifixion when he obeyed God. That God, he, in his power, he raised Daniel up from the depths of a godless society, and the same God raised up the greater Daniel, Jesus, from the depths of hell. Why? So that compromised people who have treated truth like a trampoline, thinking that they could defy the law of God, how arrogant we are, so that sinful people could be forgiven and given a fresh start. See, the reality is, is that we've all come in here this morning in a dilemma called sin. And the greatest decision that you and I could make is to surrender our life over to Jesus for salvation. Because if we're gonna end up in the destination called eternity with God, then that's the pathway by which we have to walk. And for some of you, that's the greatest decision that you can make today. Don't leave here and try to navigate the dilemmas of this life in a way that allows you to be a man or a woman of God of character apart from a right relationship with God. I wanna invite everybody just to bow your head, to close your eyes. I wanna ask you a few questions in review that I've already asked you this morning and we're gonna give it you a chance to respond. First question is this, what dilemma are you facing? What temptation are you facing? What dilemma 
are you facing? Question number two, what decision do you need to make? What's the decision that you need to make in order to obey God? Some of you, you need to make a phone call, make things right in a relationship. Others of you, you need to get rid of something in your household. You need to delete an app off your phone. Others of you, the greatest decision that you need to make as a result of coming here today is to trust Christ. Last question, what destination are you headed to? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for this opportunity just to be able to get into your word. And God, I pray that it would challenge our hearts and that you would change us from the inside out. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Hey, would you give the Lord a hand? Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.